Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. A dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Welcome back to the BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean, and this week for the Big Fight Reaction Show, I am joined by a returning guest co-host to the show. He calls himself the Aldi version of Johnston. That is, of course, Jamie Albrecht. Jamie, thank you for stepping in for Johnston, who birthday it is today. Yeah, I've heard he's, I've heard he's 41. Uh, you have to correct me if I'm wrong there, Johnston, but happy... 21st anniversary, well, 20th anniversary, your 21st birthday, mate. Uh, yes, happy birthday to Johnston. Uh, thank you, Jamie, for coming on. It's, uh, it's a pleasure having you back on. And we're going to be talking about the two big fights from the weekend that we covered in the preview, which was the fight between Katie Taylor and Chantal Cameron, and of course, David Benavidez and Demetrius Andrade. I'm interested to talk to you about these fights. We've had a little bit of a brief discussion off the air about our thoughts, particularly around David Benavidez and a future fight with Canelo. But I really wanted to start the show with, with Katie Taylor, to be honest, and her obviously yeah. making a bit of history there, becoming a two-weight undisputed champion and winning the rematch on points, a majority decision for her against Chantal Cameron in what at times was uh, quite an exciting affair, but... I'm going to I'm going to say this Jamie before you come in to have your opinion on this. I thought that was quite a, a messy affair. I didn't feel like it was as good as the first fight despite what a lot of people were saying. I didn't feel the skill levels of of both of them were at the same level they was in the first fight. I felt Katie was holding way too much, going in with her head way too much. She was never penalised throughout the course of the fight, although Chantel was on a few occasions. Then there's the controversy over the knockdown. Was it a knockdown? Wasn't it a knockdown? It just felt like a, a, 
it, well, it felt like a bad night at the office for Chantel, and it just mm-hmm. felt like it, 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 the stars were aligned for Katie to obviously get this the second time round. But now you've watched it, what do you think about it? Well, that's, um, I mean, my opinion might be something more akin to shooting the breeze than another one of, you know, her BTR's staples. Um, you know, were the stars in Orlando or was there a little bit of um, nepotism from Matram? You know, it, it, the stars were aligned for her. You're right in what you're saying, but this is um, Katie Taylor who wasn't supposed to lose the first fight, you know what I mean? And maybe they've, they've gifted her a little bit. I, I agree with you. In that it was a bit of a messy affair, um, but that's what Katie likes to do. She likes to drag it into the train, and she did the same with Serrano. Um, I actually think she boxed quite well. I mean, it was a like, like you say, it was a messy affair. There was a lot of going in with the head, but you know, correct me if you think I'm wrong. If a man, if a male fighter does that, um, he's he's accused positively of being, and you know. A wily old fox, someone like Bernard Hopkins, he's got all the tricks of the trade. Someone like Archie Moore, who can just, you know, use their skills and and use their, you know, the witchcraft of boxing to get what they need to, what they need to get. And to be honest, in my opinion, I think it's good that there's someone like Katie, who, you know, she was a smaller fighter um, on the night, quite noticeably smaller, I thought, by a couple of weights. Look at that, and you know, she she did what she needed to do. She dug deep and she showed that, you know, there's still a little bit left in the tank. It was quite good to see. I don't agree with the uh, the design commentary, I think, was woeful. Um, and going back to your original point, was it written in the stars? Well, if you go by the design commentary, it was scripted to be in the stars, <laughs> you know, because everything, everything Chantel Cameron was doing, it was just being ignored. I agree um, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, it, it commentary. The commentary was something that a lot of people did pick up on. You know, I was I was scrolling through Twitter afterwards, looking at people's thoughts and feelings, and just to see if I was maybe being a bit emotionally biased towards Chantel a little bit. There, I felt like she was. I felt like she didn't perform the well the way she did in the first fight. It was quite evident she didn't stick to that jab the way she did in the first fight. And people might say Katie no. took that. People say Katie took that away from her, but I don't think that was the case. I think when she did execute, well, well when she executed it, Jerry, I, I, I think she was, she was great when she executed it, but she just didn't execute it. She was falling short on a few occasions think, as well. I think what she was struggling with was she was unable to impose her, her will. Um, she was well, obviously, she was unable to impose her will. She lost the fight, but. You know, for, for Spurs during the first fight, she was really able to, you know, Katie Taylor wasn't um, wasn't as fleet-footed. Katie Taylor was trying to, you know, for one of a better expression, show her bollocks in the first fight and be like, oh, I'm going to stand and trade with you. Whereas uh, she did that in this fight, only in spells. Um, I think there, there were times where, you know, she had to remember um, that she had a game plan to adhere to. Don't stay in the corner. Don't get rocked back by that jab. Use your feet. And she was darting in and out nicely, you know? And I think um, Chantel Cameron, I think, by the looks of it, her game plan was literally just impose your will. And I, I think she was she was too flat-footed at the time to fight Chantel Cameron. I think um, she she really, you could see at times, she really wanted to drag it into the trenches. Um, she was throwing, throwing the right hand a couple of times, and she, she did buzz Taylor. And I was impressed with Taylor and, and just with a, a full attitude and just not really being distracted by the big bombs. 
and just getting back on a bike and, you know, little one-twos in and out. And I, I just thought she boxed quite well. I did have Taylor down as winning. And in terms of the, in fact, I'm not even going to mention that because you'll probably mention it next. The, <laughs> the big knockdown. Ask me the question. Uh, well, well, before I mention that, I'm just going to give credit to Katie, of course, because I don't want people listening thinking I'm not giving her any credit. I am. I think she boxed better than she did the first time round, which is why she ultimately won the fight. I think it was, it was the '96 '94 card was the card that I would say was was probably accurate. I felt like if mm-hmm. Katie was winning this fight, she'd won it by a couple of rounds. The '98 '92 card was a bit uh, harsh on Chantel, but it's neither here yeah, nor there. Definitely. It's neither here nor there, though, because at the end of the day, I think it was it was clear who won the fight to me in, in this one. I didn't think it was a draw. I felt like there was people that felt it was a draw. I don't know on what basis they had that, but for me, it was 96-94 was the more appropriate appropriate card yeah. uh, and the appropriate winner in this instance, which leads up for a, for a third fight. But before we even talk about a third fight, that knockdown was something that brought a bit of controversy and... Was it a knockdown? Wasn't it a knockdown? She seemed to stand on Katie Taylor's foot. That was, that was the implication that she stood on the foot, and that's why uh, she lost the balance as she threw the punch. And uh, people analyse the shit out of stuff like this. Uh, on my first impression, it felt like she'd got on the inside of Katie's left foot with her right foot, and she managed to throw that jab, and it landed and knocked her back. And he was quite a stiff jab, and I felt yeah. like that was a knockdown. And when when the referee waved oh. it away, when he waved it away, yeah. I was like, mm, "No, this, this doesn't seem right." I start to be that that felt like a knockdown. What was your impression? Um, sorry, I, that kept interrupting you during spells there, but yeah, I I agree with you. I must have watched that three or four times because obviously it's the big it was a big talking point um, from the weekend, and it was it was a stiff jab to the chest. Um, Katie was going backwards a bit and she was off balance but the fact is this boxing is all about balance and if you lose it you're going down taking account and again you know I use that word again but nepotism uh, Katie Taylor's the sister of Ireland you know she's the one you know, she's probably the most popular fighter in Ireland by Conor McGregor who's not obviously he's not a boxer but um, yeah I think maybe that would sway that'd sway a referee a little bit I mean, if you listen to the commentary, um, in fact, that was one of the things that uh, the commentary, I believe, got right, because I think it was Andy Lee turned around and said, no, that was a knockdown. So, you know, the Irishman, he wasn't he wasn't swayed by that. But, yeah, it was a stiff jab to the chest. Okay, he was a little bit off balance, going backwards a little bit, and I think that should have been judged a knockdown. I'm glad, really, that, you know, it didn't really throw Chantel Cameron off the game. She didn't really lose her edge. She just went back to what she was doing. And all right, she wasn't as maybe aggressive as in the first fight, but it's good to see someone just keeping keeping the shape and not going not going overboard after seeing something like that, you know? I think she felt a little bit frustrated at times, though, because there was a few times during the fight where well, when I was talking about the holding before, like Katie had come in, She'd, she'd, she'd throw a combination or try to throw a combination and then she'd just get right onto Chantel. I knew what she was doing. She was trying to spoil yeah. the work. She was trying to stop Chantel from getting anything off. But you could see the frustration of the rounds. Yeah, well, the, the, he's, he's, the, the point I'm trying to make is like the frustration element of it. It's like when Katie was doing what she was doing, which obviously was something that she wanted to execute during this because she did it multiple times, 
you could see Chantel was getting really annoyed. She looked at the referee. She was looking at the corner a few times. I heard, I think it was Jamie Moore in the corner or Nigel Travis shouting like, ref, ref, do something about this. I could hear him in the corner verbally shouting it. It's probably Travis, man. It's probably Travis. He's very vocal, isn't he? And, 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 and that, that, that for me was kind of where I started to feel in the mid-rounds, this this probably wasn't going to go her way tonight because I think like the issue with the knockdown in the first instance, the fact that the referee wasn't putting any type of warnings in place and allowing Katie to, to basically sit on the chest uh, for, for prolonged periods of time. And it's not even just like someone like a Ricky Hatton who used to fight on the inside and get on somebody's chest. Katie was there for a prolonged periods of time, do you know, and that that's kind of why I was I was a bit frustrated with that because I felt like she really the referee really wasn't giving Chantel a sort of fair crack of the whip. I felt like she he should have been moving Katie away and breaking them up and saying right, let's get back at it. He was doing it, but it was for me it was it was too long of a time. He was just allowing the time to go by. Well, Katie's just literally leaning on. Chantel's chest and Chantel's got her arms up to say look I'm not even touching her I'm not even doing anything you know break break her off mm-hmm. uh, that was a frustrating part of it but I mentioned all this stuff ultimately my opinion is Chantel didn't do enough Katie did and that's why she won it do you think that there's do you think there could be cause of bias though I mean, given what you've just said about the referee elongating things allowing a little bit of extra time to be a bit more um, dubious in some of the tactics. Do you think? Do you think that comes down to the fact they were in Ireland and the script was written? So maybe the third fight, uh, it's a stretch. Or are you going to sell the pens? You're going to get splinters in your ass here. <laughs> it's a stretch. <laughs> it's a it's a stretch. I mean, I love a good conspiracy, and I love a uh, I, I love a good sort of conversation around this sort of stuff. But I do feel like maybe this is a bit of a stretch. Uh, I duh. I, I just don't, if I look, if I think back to the fight now, I've only watched it once, I've not gone back and watched it again. My memory of this fight is that Chantel, she, she, you know, even with that in mind, what you're saying, even if that was a, a potential possibility, Chantel wasn't adapting. She weren't doing enough. No. Like, she was allowing Katie to do that and she weren't stepping off herself. She weren't adapting. She, she was just, she was very sort of old-fashioned in her approach, you know what I mean? Like, very square on and and just not, yeah, there wasn't very much bounce. It's like she didn't really. She looked defeated to me in spells. Yeah, I think, you know? I think, and that that's what I allude to when I say the frustration element. When I said she was looking at the ref and telling the ref and looking at a corner, I think you could tell like that had kicked in sort of mid rounds, and it felt like it was up for me at that point. It felt like it was only going one way, and I'm not going to buy into any type of conspiracy theory at this stage. Does a third, is a third fight warranted? Well, yeah, of course it is. Absolutely. I think it's one apiece. You know, she gave Katie the opportunity to, to win back the titles and, and, and or win the titles, and Katie did win the titles. So I think, you know, it should be a fair a fair shake and she should get the opportunity to win back the titles. Uh, and it'd be a good fight. We know they've got the styles to make a good fight. Uh, do I want to see this over the Serrano rematch? Um, yeah, probably. Probably because it's involving well. it's involving two fires uh, on, on in our islands. Like I'd rather it be Chantal Cameron and Katie Taylor than Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano. I, I like Amanda Serrano, but I was I'd rather see this again. That's the point I'm making. Yeah, I I agree with you. I mean, other than Serrano, who else is there to fight? And Katie, Katie's been there and done that. 
you know, whether you agree or, I mean, I think Serrano is trying to beat her, you know, on at least one of the fights. Um, so it's been done, do you know what I mean? And it's more saleable because, as you say, there's the domestic element of it. All right, Katie's Irish, but England and Ireland. Um, do you reckon they could get it done at Crow Park? Do you think that, I mean, without being in Ireland and really soaking up the feeling and, and how popular Katie Taylor is, um, I haven't really got an opinion on that. But if they could get it done at Crow Park, then she's the, she's the female only Joshua and everyone, you know, maybe that sets a precedent then for, for women's boxing earning a bit more. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'd be happy for them to do it there. The atmosphere, the atmosphere was great. As long as, you know, everything surrounding it was was impartial, like it was, to be fair, the judges and, and the yeah. referee were impartial for the fight. So it's not the commentary. Not the oh, commentary. Well, yeah, exactly. The commentary was um that was probably the worst element of the night. I felt like there was uh, too much emotional bias going on uh with the commentary. And uh, I, I think it would be good to to get somebody else involved. And, and the rumour is that Adam Smith's going to be potentially, now he's cancer-free after coming back from that. And it's a, it's, that. It's, it's a possibility. I, I've read uh, in a few places that they're lining him up to potentially come and do some big fights over at zone, which given his relationship mm-hmm. with Eddie previously, when he works with him in Sky Sports, it would, it would make sense. And, I suppose going off topic just for just a moment about the commentary and Adam Smith, how would you feel about him stepping into the zone? Well, um, I mean, everyone deserves, uh, you know, he deserves the right to work, don't he? You know, and I mean, there are other sort of nefarious rumours going around about Adam Smith, which we we won't discuss here. But, um, you know, fair play, Eddie. Eddie's obviously taken him in. I did find it a bit strange that after 28 years at Sky... Um, that relationship severed, and this is where I'm where I'm saying about other rumours, and you know, perhaps there's a little bit more to it. You know, after being such a servant for 28 years, and he seems to be running the show in Sky as well. 
So to leave and just become maybe a bit player in the story of his own, be a bit of a strange one. But uh, given his given his cancer diagnosis, maybe they're just easing him back in. Um, it would be interesting. It'd be interesting to hear him. But what I don't want, uh, just speaking honestly, I don't want it to become like the you know Tony Bellew's bad enough on his own. You know I don't know why they get him judging fighters at ringside because it's like you know Stevie one. During Ray Charles would have a better, uh, better perspective on some of them fights than Tony Bellew. But yeah, I don't want it to become the old boys club that it was at Sky, you know? Um, if he can be impartial and the, the same sort of commentator he was in the early days at Sky when Ricky Atten was fighting John Faxton and he was like the the Andy Clark of Sky rather than the well, Adam Smith that he became, then yeah, I'd be excited for that. Be a bit nostalgic, wouldn't it? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens, uh, whether that happens. Or whether... <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, to be honest with you, you're only really saying what a lot of people have said on social media about the, the rumours around Adam Smith. And I think for me, the way I, the, my, my sort of statement on the matter a couple of weeks ago when I found out was, I think really, I wasn't one of those that kind of tried to buy into any of that stuff. I'd heard various rumours about him, but... I also I also know somebody who personally works with him, so I kind of took that into consideration. Thought, well, you know, the, these this is social media. Social media can create some of the most vicious rumors out there about an individual that yeah. can one hundred percent cannot be true, and and it's quite obvious that you know he's 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 had these medical issues. He's come back from it. Why? You'd have to be some sort of person to make up a story like that if there was a another story oh, behind yeah. it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, he don't, I don't think he is. Uh, I think he genuinely, yeah. obviously, got ill, and and other rumours circulated from whomever and however it surfaced. It, it just did the rounds, and unfortunately, like me, media does, it, it makes up a lot of stuff about different people, uh, and and what, people people believe it though, don't they? What I would say as well, Sean, I heard this on another podcast. Obviously, I'm not naming names because, <laughs> but in in everyday life now if you go off work with stress or i go off work with stress or anything any sort of illness it's really nobody's business so all the people that are you know the vultures and they're circling and you know they buy into all this stuff about them so i can't confirm or deny whether i really believe it i've just heard the rumors um it's no one's business the, the man the man was at work the, the man got ill and that's the story uh, he's entitled to his own private life, so really good. Good luck to him, and he's obviously he's maintained a good relationship with um, with Eddie Hearn, and that's why Eddie Hearn's been able to maybe let him in the door at Design. But he's also he'll be a valuable asset to Design because you know again I can't cast aspersions on people's qualifications, but having someone with that level of experience, the man that's bought certain things to to Sky like. Uh, George Groves and Carl Froch, for example, he was behind that. And, you know, that's got the big, a lot of publicity this week. It's been 10 years, hasn't it? You know, that man can only be an asset in your operation. So good luck to him. And I think it could be the start of uh, a bit of a renaissance for the own. You know, if he's involved, he knows what it takes to build success. Exactly. Well, we'll see. Uh, so Chantal Cameron, Katie Taylor, we've talked about it. We've talked about a rematch happening. Uh, it's inevitable, I think, and I hope it does. I hope the third fight happens, and 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 essentially, for Katie Taylor's perspective, that's her swan song. That's 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 where she goes out. Yeah. Whether win, lose, or draw, she goes out, and and that'd be, 
you know, a really good way for her to, to sort of finish her career. Even if she ends up losing, I think she's she's done so much in the sport, so you can't argue that, you know, mm-hmm. she's at a stage she's at a stage where the days are evidently numbered as a fighter, and it's it's obvious as the fights have been going on that uh, the the skills that she had are starting to decline a little bit, and you know, it's, yeah. it's it's making for more exciting fights, of course, for for us as fans, but ultimately, you know, I think she's probably got this one last fight in her. That's my opinion. I think she has this one last fight potentially at Croke Park. Whether it be Serrano, whether it be Cameron three, I probably think she'd go for the Cameron third fight because it'd make great, you know, to have a trilogy in her career would be really good for her as well as obviously being uh, a two way undisputed champion simultaneously will be will be one hell of a way to go out of your career on. So uh, yeah, I think that that's what we're probably gonna get with it all. To be honest, and I'm yeah. excited. I'm excited because it'll be uh, it'll be good to see that happen once more. And have we? Have we ever had a uh, a trilogy in in the female side of boxing? I don't think we have. Not on this level, anyway. If there has been one, probably somewhere. Like, how many times did um, did Fraser and Ali fight? Like yeah. Layla and Jackie was that only one? I don't know if that was two. I'd have to check the records, but off the top of my head, I don't know if that was that one or two. Um, I, I, you could be oh, right. Yeah. Again, they wouldn't have got the same traction, wouldn't it? So I agree with you there, Sean. Um, the, the one person I do, and this is veering off track a little bit, the one person that I always feel slightly aggrieved for when it comes to female boxing, because everyone's shouting and saying, hey, Taylor, Katie Taylor, pioneer. pioneer. Like, no, Jane Couch. Jane Couch should get more of a shout. Um, and I've met Jane on a couple of occasions and... Uh, I know a lot of people that know Jane Couch, and she opened the door for women's boxing in the UK. Um, I'd like to see her on more more broadcasts, but maybe you know she's not as not as polished as I'd like, you know. But that is really very enough subject. I'm oh, sorry, <laughs> well, no, 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 don't, don't be. I, I, you, it's a valid point. You know, you're mentioning it. We're talking about potentially a trilogy in in female boxing that's that's never happened at this level before if it wasn't for someone like jane we wouldn't even be talking about this it's as simple as that really that's that's what it boils down to so you know yeah you're shouting out jane couch she deserves a shout out if it wasn't for her and the big fight she had in her career then we wouldn't even be talking about this right now inspirations wouldn't have been had people like katie taylor natasha jonas terry harper you know, UK female fighters that have gone on to have some great successes over the past few years. And then you've got a new crop of talent coming through as well, potential world champions. We wouldn't have any of this without someone like Jane oh. Couch going going through that barrier and going through that sexism barrier and, and being able to break through it and, and providing some, some, some really interesting nights. And I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing to think of where it's come from and where it's at at the moment and, and where it potentially goes. So... It's really, 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 really good, and 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 I'm happy that we've, you know, potentially got a third fight coming, and uh, we we will get to see maybe a, a satisfying end to a career. We'll we'll see anyway. But ultimately, that was the one yeah. that that was the one over the weekend for me that I, I wanted to heavily focus on before I moved on to the other fight of the weekend that I wanted to heavily focus on, which was of course. The fight between David Benavides and Demetrius Andrade, and myself and Johnston covered it in the preview. And you know, we 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 were talking about what Andrade we would get in this fight, and would it literally be in the most significant fight of his career to date? 
How did he do in that fight? Well, obviously, you guys listening, you'll know the result at this point. He lost. He got stopped by David Benavidez. Well, he pretty much told his corner that he was done. Um, he was put down as uh, a victory for David Benavidez. But we were talking about this before we came on and we started recording this pod. And we were talking about a few elements of it, which we'll, we're going to repeat. But what this has done really now is it's it's... The victory for David Benavidez has put him in this position where, you know, he's making the Canelo fight, which is the one everybody wants to see. It's made him more marketable. And what I said to you before, and I'm going to repeat again for everybody listening, was that I think despite the criticism Canelo has had by not taking this fight yet, I think it's actually a really smart move that he's not took it yet because now with victories over Caleb Plant and Demetrius Andrade, that's definitely risen Benavidez's stock to a much higher level, which to me now makes this fight much more marketable. You've not just got the elements of, mm-hmm. of, of Mexican fighters fighting each other, and you've got these, you know, the, these guys that are considered the best in this division. Canelo, of course, being at the top of that tree, Benavidez being the logical challenger to that throne at the moment, it's made it a much more marketable fight and a much more interesting fight in the sense that people can actually legitimately give David Benavidez a chance to beat Canelo. Some think David Benavidez is the man that's going to beat him in this division. But what did you think of Benavidez's performance over Andre? How did you find the fight? And I suppose also, I'm looking to find out what you thought of Andre as well. Do you give him any credit for that? Because that really was his first legitimate acid test, you know, at this level. Yeah, he looked scared. He really looked scared. Like he was doing well in spurts, and I've used that used that term quite quite a bit tonight. Spurts, you know, I used it in terms of of Katie Taylor and um, Chantel Cameron. But what he was doing was firing off these little bursts, and then you saw it in his eyes when the bursts weren't really amounting to anything. David Benavidez was like the immovable object. He was quite rigid. He hasn't really got a style to me, Benavidez. He just stands there, he turns quite low and just fires off. Do you know who he reminds me of? And like, this is a really, really left-field suggestion. And most people will be like, shut up, Jamie, you wanky. You don't know what he's talking about. But there was a fighter years ago called Paul McCloskey. Hands low, right? And he, he'd fire off these little bursts. He fought Amir Khan. Um, but the difference is, obviously, Benavidez is like, He's a cruiserweight masquerading as a as a super middle, and he's got power. But the sort of style, you know what I mean, where there isn't really a style. He's just there, and he, he's gunslinging a little bit. But to me, and I know I just veer off track a lot, he was like the bogeyman. You know, Benavides, um, Andrade was like, oh, you know, I've got the speed. You, you could see it when he first started. Um, I've got quick hands. I'm going to fire off these combinations. When Benavides wasn't moving... It was like the boogeyman's coming to get you. And I think he just willed. I think he's, his will was just a little bit, oh, fuck this. Can't be bothered. I'm not going to get anywhere. So, like you say, he just said to his corner, I've had enough. I think he just wore him down. Um, and I think that is an asset that um, is going to favour him when he fights Canelo because Canelo is the kind of man who, who wears fighters down. But if you can stand in trade with him, you can give it back to him. I'm not saying that Benavidez is in the same vein as uh, Dimitri Bivol because Bivol was quite a stylish, flashy boxer. But anyone who can give it back to Canelo 
you can dent him. You can really dent him. You know, Golovkin beat him in that first fight. I don't care what anyone says. I think he beat him in the second fight as well. But again, he was a fighter that gave it back to Canelo. Uh, Bivol gave it back to Canelo. And, you know, if Canelo can't push you back, which I don't think he will do against Benavidez, then sometimes he gets a little bit lost, you know? So it'd be, it'd be interesting. I think he can, on pure boxing skill alone, I think he could he could beat Benavidez, but you know Benavidez was a bit like the immovable object against um, against Andrade. So it'd be interesting to see whether he can replicate that against the Mexican, the ginger kid. You know, I think you made some valid points about Benavidez and where he kind of sits at the moment. And in this fight, I agree with Andrade. Like at times. He, he just he did what I thought he was gonna do. To be honest, I was I, I, when I spoke about this with Johnston last week. You know, I said it was gonna go one way or another, and it was either gonna be Benavidez or put it on him, and Andrade will go into his shell a little bit, and that's kind of what happened in the fight. Or we'll we'll see an Andrade where he'll put on a, uh, you know, he'll he'll finally show us the potential. Uh, you know, that I was a little bit skeptical when I said that because I'd not seen anything from him, and I'd seen what I'd seen from Benavidez, and it kind of played out the way that both me and Johnston felt it was going to play out. I'll be honest, I, I didn't think it would I didn't think it would end in, in the way it ended. I didn't think Benavides essentially would, would grind him down to a hole where he would quit on his stool. I, I, I was quite surprised by that. Um, but then, in some respects, am I surprised? Because this is just Andre, and I think a lot of us have always suspected that maybe his heart is questionable. You know, we, we, we've not... We'd seen in certain fights, he just doesn't really want to get out of second or third gear. He was like a guy who was not fighting with that same level of passion and, and hunger and desire as what you kind of expect out of, of fighters when they get themselves in there. He just kind of felt like he was just coasting through the motions still. And you'd think with a fight of this magnitude, he would be... The guy would be going out on his shield. And he to me, he didn't, he didn't go out on his shield like... He could have got back out and carried on. And yes, okay, he'd been knocked down and he'd been hurt and all the rest of it. But that, to me, that's also what, what makes fighters sometimes is that level of adversity where they, they, they pull themselves off the canvas. And it's a make-or-break moment. And, and obviously, for me, this, this, is, this is a break moment for Andrade. I can't see from here on out how he, how he progresses his career at this level anymore. Like, he's... he's what he's done in his career, he's he's achieved. He has achieved, but has he really reached that potential? Like what we felt he had, I just genuinely don't think he has. Despite the fact he has become a, a two-way world champion, it sounds weird me saying that, but I don't quite think he's reached the potential that I think a lot of us believed he had in the sense that he had the skills and abilities to outbox the best of the best. And I still think he has that. It's just like he doesn't want to execute it when he fights these fighters, and and it's shown again. Like you said, he was scared. He felt like he felt to you like he was scared of in of the engagement of doing what he could have done to make that fight a little bit easier for himself. But yeah. this is this is this is how we find out, isn't it? If these guys don't get in the ring and fight each other, we're never going to know. And I think now we've found out. And to me, I I kind of look at Andre and say, you know, he's a shoulda woulda coulda fighter. Well, hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it, Sean? But you've got to question, why were the big fights never getting made with Andrade? I think the biggest fight, really, that was on the horizon that, you know, didn't become was him against Billy Joe Saunders. And I can't remember, was that the fight where Billy Joe Saunders 
tested positive for a banned substance, or was that uh, another one? Yeah, I, I don't know if it was if it was that one, but it had been made, hadn't it? Like they were talking about this yeah. fight a couple of times. But then, the... like, he, he's never um, he never pushed on though, Andre, did he? And it's like when you hear the rumor mill, you know about certain fighters where I'm mean, even hearing about Tyson Fury nowadays, where it's like. You know, are they papering over the cracks with fights like Chisora and all that, trying to prolong the inevitable because there's something wrong with Tyson Fury? Or, you know, you could say the same for Andrade. Were they holding him back because deep down they knew he weren't going to cut the mustard, you know? Um, and you you say you say it's odd to say, well, superweight world champion and he hasn't achieved. Well, to me, that just shows the insignificance of belts. Because a fighter can be a two-way world champion and be nowhere near the top of the class nowadays. There's too many belts. Um, but again, that's a discussion you've had on Shooting the Breeze before, I believe. And it's not really a discussion for here. But that's why a fighter can, can achieve but not fulfill the potential. Because there's too many belts out there and too many avenues for avoidance. If we had one champion for, per division, Andrade would have got found out long ago. Yeah, I agree with that. It would have been no place to hide. No place to hide. Well, think oh, yeah. the heavyweight division's a prime example of it. Like, we would have... I don't think Joseph Parker would have been a heavyweight champion. Uh, I don't think Manuel yeah. Char would have been a portion of the heavyweight champion. I don't think Daniel Dubois <laughs> would have had a portion of the heavyweight title. I don't think any of those guys, off the top of my head, would have been world champions if if... It would have just been one or even two belts. Even if there was only two belts and not four, could you honestly say some of the champions that we've had in in respective divisions would be champions or would have achieved that that accolade of being a champion? I mean, you've got to look at Charlie Martin. You know, Charlie Martin walking the earth like a god. Um, that guy would have been a champion of the area, wouldn't he, Charles Martin? <laughs> he was a prince. Uh, exactly, he's prime example. Prime example. There's Peters. I mean, there's British fighters. There's British fighters out there that would never have achieved world title glory. Like, I, I, I genuinely believe there's quite a few of them. I mean, Bar- Barry Jones says it. Barry Jones yeah. says it about because he was WBO Super Featherweight Champion, and he's quite humble in his assessment. He's like, I was nothing compared to the the great Welsh fighters of the past. He said, like, when you consider, he said, Colin Jones is up there and. He never won a world title, but, you know, the ways of Colin Jones would have smashed me. I know they were different ways, but you get what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the four-bell era, the three-bell era, the, the IBS coming along, it's given more of an opportunity. And it, while that's good for your bang balance as a fire, and I don't begrudge anyone making money in this sport, it's, it's not as good for legacy. Because, again, you get a situation like you do with Android where, he can avoid. He can go. Oh, I don't like the look of that. I'll go another route, and then the big fights aren't getting made. Well, this is it. This is exactly why we have these conversations and shooting the breeze because this is exactly what the sport can be like at times, and we know it because we've we've been covering it for a long time, and it it never yeah, really it never really seems to change. It never really does. But I think we've I think what we've done is we've found out that Benavidez is has got to fight Canelo soon. Because there's nothing real else for either of those two guys to do at this stage, uh, other than fight each other. And Andre just isn't the guy that 
well, he, he's not fulfilled potential. He's not fulfilled the potential on paper that he had as, and the boxing ability that he mm. had. So for me, I just don't see where he goes from, from this point onwards. Is he going to scratch around and look for a fight? <laughs> Maybe with Billy Joe Saunders, who he's adamant that he is going to come back down to this way, which if you've seen pictures of him recently, it looks like he's he's pushing heavyweight at the moment. So I just I just yeah. I failed I failed to see how Billy Joe will end up back down at super middle. I think he's probably going to be end up at one seven five if he does come back. So you know I can't see that fight happening now. So I think Andre's kind of the other fights he'd have to take in his career in the super middleweight division are the likes of, of Jaime Munguia, you know, or Edgar Belanga or Diego Pacheo or some of these guys that are. Uh, are, itch, are itching for a chance. Well, you can, you know, say the name that you mentioned off, off camera before, um, the likes of Mr. Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah. I don't think that fight would happen because there's no money in it, you know. People wouldn't fight Android because there was no money in it as, as well, you know, so I don't think that would happen, but yeah, it was a nice name to throw in the mix, though, sure. <laughs> yeah, well, we've got to try and throw a few names in. Yeah, you've got to throw a few yeah. names in for them. Um, yeah, it's just it's just not looking like it's gonna it's gonna go anywhere for him from this point. That that's kind of how I feel about his career now. He's like he didn't do anything majorly significant, or he didn't beat anybody majorly significant to get those titles to be at this position and the biggest fight of his career. And and you know, essentially, he quits on his school. So for me, that just mm-hmm. tells me all I need to know about where, where he goes from this point onwards, which is. Not much further. Uh, I can't see any of those big fights happening. And if they do, he, he's now already shown the world that he's potentially willing to sit down at the end of a round and go, do you know what? I'm done. And as soon as that level of... Vulner- no, sorry, Sean. You can real. I was just going to say, as soon as that level of vulnerability is shown in a fighter, it, it never he stays with fans. He stays with... Other fighters and Daniel Dubois is a perfect example of that. That level of vulnerability yeah. that people have talked about with him, they're now they've got this perception that he is a quitter, that he is the person that would like to when the going gets tough, he doesn't want to be there. Or if um, if you don't like the heat, stay out of the kitchen. You know the, the, these couple of mm-hmm. phrases there. I think I think Andre potentially could be another one of those. Yeah, maybe. Um... And talking about Dubois again, straight off track, he'll be very, very interesting to see what sort of version we get of Miller. But I mean, that's, that's for a later discussion, isn't it? Well, it um, certainly is. But I mean, you know, you're talking about just to, you know, reinforce what you're saying there about Andrade. If Andrade was British, he'd be a good European level fighter. Someone, and I don't want to disrespect him here when I say this name, but someone like Gavin Reese, you know, a bit of world champion. Um, comes back, comes back down, and does a respectful job at like European level. Fights you, um, and fight your John Murray's of the world. People like, did he fight John Murray? He did. Oh, I'm getting me old age, yeah. But like, he can he can come back down and do a job. But I think when you're American, you know the opportunities aren't really there. It's going to be frowned upon if you move down a level and you're not willing to to mix it, mix it at the top. You know. Um, I don't really think he'd be able to do that. But, you know, do you really do you want to see him become a gatekeeper for the up-and-comers? Would he want to become that, or, or should he call it a day? Uh, to be honest, I've, I've, I've not really been appealed by him as a fighter. Like, I've seen 
elements of him where I think you know he's he, he can be really good and exciting and 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 give us the art and the sweet science of the sport. But then when he doesn't execute it, it's it's just disappointing. It's just lackluster and it just turns me off as a fight fan. Like when you can see that a guy's got potential and he's got the tools and you know he could probably do it if he tried and he just doesn't want to do it or he, he, for whatever reason he's not executing it. I think you just kind of get to the point with him where you're just like, you know what, I haven't got the energy or the headspace to really sort of think, you know, Investing, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's, that's, that's I mean, like... he's, he he was showing potential, wasn't he? But it was against a certain level of fighter, you know. Like, like, like I gave the example against Gavin Reese. You know, Gavin Reese was doing it. I mean, he beat Solomon on by, and um, he looked good there. But again, you could argue on by was solid European level fighter, you know. But then, if you if you step up against the elites, is he going to be able to be as flashy? I mean. It's all right knocking Liam Williams about, isn't it? And then you meet the boogeyman and you're unmoved. So, well, the, the boogeyman's unmoved and, and you look a bit embarrassing and you look like a deer in the headlights. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, no. Yeah. He's going to come and smack me. He's going to smack me in the mouth, funny if I ever meet him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're entitled to your opinion. You're saying what many other people have probably had to say. Or wouldn't people have probably said a lot worse uh, about what, what, what they think. And I think we're just trying to... As a fan, I'm just trying to sort of say how I feel uh, about him and about where it goes and whether it goes any further. And and it was just disappointing that he didn't he didn't wear his heart on his sleeve for that. But it is what it is, and I'm not going to focus any more time on him now because for the remainder of the show, there obviously were other fights on this weekend. Fights that we didn't really cover in the preview, but I did mention them. And if you haven't watched any of the cards in full over the weekend, haven't seen any of the results, just a little bit of a rundown of what happened on the Benavides andre card. We've seen Sabriel Matias get a victory over the formerly undefeated Shojahan Ergashev. Um, retirement in six rounds, a brilliant victory for Matthias. Uh, Hector Luis Garcia lost his WBA World Super Featherweight title against Lamont Roach by a split decision. We was just talking about him a couple of weeks ago, myself and Johnston, talking about Lee Wood, his potential fights, Joe Cardina, his potential fights, talking about the WBA title. Hector Luis Garcia has lost that title now. Lamont Roach is the man for the WBA in the super featherweight division. So it'd be interesting to see what the dynamics are here, whether there's a rematch between Garcia and Roach on the table or whether Roach will be looking at cashing in and maybe coming over here and fighting Lee Wood or maybe fighting Joe Cardina in a unification fight. It wouldn't surprise me if he cashes in at this point of his career and, and tries to go down that route. The other notable moment of the weekend was, of course, the return of Jamal Charlo. He was coming back after a near two-year layoff and he was fighting Jose Benavidez Jr. in the middleweight division. However, if you was looking at social media and you was following this prior to the fight happening, you will have seen that he had a few little issues trying to make weight for the fight and there was a lot of mixed emotions, mixed opinions about how they felt. He was really unprofessional by not making weight, having had so long out of the ring, why couldn't he have made the weight? Because he will have had the time. These were a few of the comments that I saw in the lead-up to that fight. But this is where I wanted to bring yourself in, Jamie, about Jamal Charlo and and and, the, and that particular issue with, with making weight. And 
he'd obviously went into the fight with Benavidez and he beats him on points, gets a unanimous decision over 10 rounds. Yeah, yeah it doesn't look the best. That That's my opinion. I don't oh. think he looked, he looked great, but then again, he's been out for so long. He's very rusty, as they say. Ring rust is a thing. And I think it was very evident and the weight was obviously a problem in the lead-up to this. What do you think about this moment for him now? What 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 do you think was the problem and what do you think he does going forward? Well, the problem um, is quite large documented problems of, you know, he's had mental health issues. He's been uh, supported by the WBC during those mental health issues as well, um, quite vociferously by um, Suleiman. I nearly called him Jose then, Mauricio Solomon. He's come out and said that, you know, they've supported him during his mental health struggles. I think he's even been in a psychiatric unit at some point. So I suppose, you know, all those people, and, you know, this isn't one of them men's podcasts where we talk about our feelings and stuff like that. But I've been affected by mental health. I know how difficult it is. Um, so maybe, maybe that was his preoccupation, you know, in terms of making the weight. Uh, and and maybe he could use that as his excuse, without using the word excuse. You know what I mean? He's he's reasoning for. I think he came in three pounds overweight. Or, or, I think at the final go, when they said said to him, you know, take it off. Um, but but then you could argue, well, you know, two years out, what's another what's another six months? Get your head right, get your weight down. First and Fury managed to do it. He lost ten stone. Um, and he used the guise of mental health for a positive reason. So I'm not 100% sure, but, you know, I'm veering down a bit of a mental health path. In terms of the performance, he, he did what he had to do. He um, he didn't look great, as you say. Um, Jose Benavis Jr., he's, he's one of them fighters. I remember when he turned pro under Freddie Roach at 17, and they said that he was the next coming of God. Um, he's become the gatekeeper, I think, you know, if he doesn't retire, Andrade might become. Um, at the end of the day, boxing's about results. It doesn't matter how you how you get there. It's about how you look. It's, it's about the result at the end of it. You know, look at uh, Shakur Stevenson the other week. Stunk the place out, but he got the win. Um, and really, after two years out, that's all you want. Maybe he can build on this now and, and start to get his weight down properly. Start to really build towards something a bit more substantial. Absolutely, yeah, oh, absolutely. I, I, I agree. Is what, what did we really expect out of him? Like, I think that's the question we need to ask ourselves. Is maybe we, not just us, but maybe a lot of people was kind of in that mindset of having too high of an expectation of what they was going to see from him, and rather than sat there sort of giving him, giving him the, the, the abuse and and the stuff that you sort of would naturally sort of say to, to somebody, it's like, oh, how come you haven't managed to get down to weight? You know, you've not been fighting for so long. How bad really was it? Well, he's been quite well documented, like you mentioned. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where he goes because I know I was talking to Johnston in the preview about this and we're saying the potential of a fight with Janny back in the future is, is something that kind of whets my appetite with this middleweight division. And, yeah. and I think Charlo's got the ability to to, to give Janny Beck a, a really good fight when he's on his day, but... You know, despite the fact he's he's now thirty three and oh, he still needs a bit of time. This I think the same way fighters do when they come back after a long layoff. You know, you can't just expect him to come 
into the ring after nearly two years out and be going in there with with Chani back. And he needs a couple of these fights to to get himself back into the swing of things. I think we're at the end of twenty twenty three. We're at the end of the year now, so going to next year, if he has another two fights next year and he gradually picks them up, then maybe at the end of next year we'll be saying, right, well, maybe now's the time. He's had a couple of fights back. Surely that ring rust is, is now off. He's flying in the gym again. His mental health is in a good mm. position. His confidence is in a good position. Maybe this is the time to start looking at the, the big fights in the middleweight division. I still think he's got a lot yeah. a lot there. He's... Um... You've missed out one vital component of that whole equation, though, I'm sure. You know, and you'll start, you might start laughing. But we've got to see how far Nathan Haney comes first. Like, let's see if uh, Charlo's, you know, big enough to get in the ring with Nathan Haney and, and win. <laughs> but, you know, he's the, uh, again, bogeyman in this division. Look at what he did the other week. So, yeah, give Nathan Haney his shot first. See what happens there with Yannick Beck. And um, I'm happy to see Charlo fight the winner. I think that's likely. We, we, we and Jagami and Johnson were talking about that last week as well. We were saying, were we? were like, you know, he, he makes him in the position to fight Janibek potentially, and that that opens the door for Charlo in the future. And now he's back. Hopefully, yeah. we'll, we'll we'll get to see a potential fight down the line with whoever is champion at the time. So, you know, they, these were some of the the main talking points of the weekend for me, and I've enjoyed tuning into the fights this weekend we are coming to the end of the year we know we've got a couple of decent fights left over we've got obviously the big card on the 23rd of december that uh we're, we're probably a bit be a nice way to end the year i mean despite what people are saying about it i'm actually i'm actually quite happy that we're getting a decent ish card for the end of the year just before christmas as well it's a semi-final isn't it um I mean, I have. I was very. I'm very critical of boxing. Um, it, it's a step in the right direction, but you know, in my opinion, when you don't put when you don't put Joshua and Wilder in the same ring together, when you put all that money, it's a case of all far no shit. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, that's just that's just my opinion. <laughs> I am miserable, but yeah, step in the right direction certainly. And if you if you do do a shooting the breeze episode on it, or even discuss it, I want to be a part of that discussion. Well, well, we'll definitely have to sort something out. We've got a couple of more weeks. Fun, now, right? <laughs> yeah. Hey, listen, listen. It's an opportunity to discuss and talk the talk the sport, isn't it? That's the whole point of it. We we use them episodes as as you guys know, listening to uh, sort of talk about certain topical things. You know, things that don't necessarily fit the bill for for shows like this and. This is probably a good point to, to to bring it to an end with this reaction show. Of course, we, we are going to be back. We've got a couple of fights this coming weekend to be covering. So we will be back later in the week with another episode to cover that off. Uh, but as always, the little bit of housekeeping we do at the end of the show, just to let you know uh, about the series-based content updates, career profiles. Again, if you've not already heard me say this, then I'm letting you know that it has finished for the year. Apologies if you've already heard me say this throughout the last few episodes. The series has finished for 2023. We are now currently working on the next series, which is Legendary Nights Season 4. We are hoping to bring that out in the next two weeks. 
So we will be looking to do an introductory episode to the season and, of course, get straight into the first couple of episodes before Christmas comes, do an end-of-year show, and then get ready for 2024, where we'll finish off Legendary Nights in January, early February, and then straight into the Darker Side of Boxing Season 4, and so on and so forth as 2024 progresses. But that is it for the episode. As always, thank you for listening Thank you for everybody who has been leaving comments on Spotify. That is really helpful. It's really appreciated. I've been publishing all the comments on Spotify so everybody can see what other people are talking about the show or what they're talking about certain fights. Please keep doing that. If you are a Spotify listener, I encourage you to keep doing that. That is really, really good and really helpful to us to see that other people are engaging and interacting with the show. So thank you to you guys that have been doing that. For those that are not on Spotify and you're on Apple, just leave us a rating and leave us a review. That is also truly, truly appreciated and it's really helpful because it puts it out there for other people to see that potentially might have not listened to us before. So please make sure you continue to do all that. You know where to find us on social media. It's at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast Network on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You type it in on Google, you'll find us everywhere across social media. But that is it for this episode. Thank you so much to, for listening to the Big Fight Reaction Show and we'll see you next time. Podcast Network.